Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. We're just going to have a lot of fun. All right, so I'm going to start off by reading your intro because I worked on this this morning and I'm really, I'm really proud of it. Um, it. This is going to be a super like official. (laughs) Um, Landon Kissinger is a manager at West Monroe and a member of the firm's customer experience practice where he focuses on high-performance contact centers, Salesforce CRM, and customer experience strategy. With a technical background and an unmatched passion for people, Landon continues to work on his pedigree with his uncommon blend of technology and business acumen. He earned his Bachelor's of Science degree in computer science from Gonzaga University's School of Engineering and Applied Science focusing in database management and data structures. Go Zags. Go Zags. Landon has also has a background in ethical philosophy and psychology, integration technologies, social media, and marketing strategy. Oh, and I'm not done yet, folks. Landon has six certifications that he has earned with passion and perseverance in a digital first world. He is a certified product manager earned from the product school, a certified Scrum Master earned from Scrum Alliance, a Salesforce Administrator that is not easy to earn and highly sought after in this market. He is both an Amazon Connect and Amazon Technical Certification, also highly in demand. And if that wasn't enough, he's a certified call center manager. And somehow, Landon has mastered the ability to bend time and space because in addition to his full-time job and family life, he's also a master set king, knowing all things possible <laughs> about Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Dota 2, Clash Royale, and more. Yep, Landon is an active gamer and streamer with a large, well-earned following on TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Discord, eBay, and Instagram, where you can find him under the handle Gentle at Gaming, always reminding his audiences to choose happy. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the gentle giant, my friend and proud mentee, Mr. Landon Kissinger. Welcome, Landon, to Coffee and Change. Wow, thank you. I, <laughs> I hope I can live up to uh, to all the praise, but um, yeah, thank you. It's uh, when you hear it all out loud, it makes me sound like uh, I'm uh, I've been running around with my head cut off. But it's been a, a really fun journey for sure. Well, I'm super excited that we were finally able to connect and get you on the podcast. Um, you've been uh, a longtime listener, which I'm so appreciative of. And you and I obviously have known each other in the professional world mm-hmm. um, through consulting, but also got to know each other personally, kind of as friends chasing our passions. And so I immediately kind of thought like, hey, this is a person who I'd love to have him tell his story because it's a story that continues to shape itself. And I think people meet you in different, you know, different um, venues of your life, Mm -hmm. right? And you continue to remind me the importance and power of showing up as yourself and chasing your passions and chasing your dreams. And so I'd love to maybe start off with 
the the most recent stuff, which is kind of where you're sitting today. You're in this beautiful office slash studio <laughs> slash gaming streaming center. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of where you're sitting today. And obviously, this will be audio for folks that are listening. Mm-hmm. If you can describe kind of uh, the the place you've created where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. The, the room that I'm sitting in is a perfect representation of the craziness that is my life. Um, so uh, we moved down to Arizona, my wife and I, because she got into a medical program for occupational therapy. And so I told her I would go with her, right? It's We're in this together. Um, and so I work remote now with Wes Monroe as a manager, as you already kind of commented on it. And, um, you know, West Monroe invested in a lot of remote tech because of COVID. So that's what made this possible, right? So I have, but I also have a semi custom setup. We'll say custom in the sense that a lot of the times I leverage uh, my streaming setup as well, because we're not in a very big house. We're renting a, uh, a three bedroom, two bath, but. Uh, it's interesting because the room that I'm in, it's barely a bedroom. I would call this a small child's room if you were growing up in it. Um, so I have, you know, two monitors, a gaming desktop, uh, my laptop behind me. I always play with my virtual, uh, background because on work at work meetings, I don't necessarily want people to see what's exactly behind me. And I know all, all the listeners can't see it, but just imagine a collage of as many colors as you can think of that is mostly Pokemon related. There's some other, you know, trading card games in there as well. But like, I have a Pikachu sitting above my head, which has to be distracting for work people. So I typically play with my virtual backgrounds and I'm very careful about really not showing it because I do try and separate that. And that's one of the reasons why, Mm -hmm. you know, I leverage the gaming tag too, right? And I've gotten feedback, right? Like change the gaming tag to be a little bit easier to pronounce or anything like that, but it has a story behind it. And we can, we can get into that later. Um, but yeah, it's just craziness, right? I have uh, kind of just everything all in this room. I try to keep it as clean as possible because frankly, it's not that big of a room and that really helps my headspace. is no mm-hmm. matter what I'm doing, it needs to feel semi-organized or else I feel discombobulated. Um, but yeah, so we're down in Arizona. I, I try to stream as frequently as I can, um, you know, again, pending the full-time job and what that allows, but I've been on a virtual client for like the last year and a half or so, which is really, Mm -hmm. I think that's been an opportunity to be honest, to continue to build my personal brand and, you know, reach out to the community through this, all these virtual avenues that we have now. And I know that, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot in regards to, I actually, I think I excelled and really differentiated myself during the pandemic. And I, I attribute streaming to that. I really do because I already had the skill set that people were building. Um, and that was what was interesting, right? Like I know how to engage audio and visually from a remote environment because, well, that's what streamers do. So in order to do that during the pandemic, my clients, I got so much positive feedback around, you know, it doesn't even feel like we're remote. Or like Landon just feels like a passionate individual, right? Which is hard to get, right? It's hard to convey that information when you're virtual. And I think that I disagree with that. I I hear a lot of people say like, it's almost impossible. It's not. It's a skill set that very few people have practiced that it is hard though, right? It, It is something that you have to practice. I use the word practice intentionally because that is something that over time you'll notice, like if you watch every streamer, will cringe at their first stream. 
there is no streamer. I mean, Tyler Ninja Blevins, right? Like probably the biggest name in the entire industry. He like go back and watch his first stream. I mean, it was in an apartment. He had nothing behind him. There was nothing visually appealing. Uh, he was rambling about things. Like it wasn't. Yeah. So it's just interesting that that uh, that skill set can become so prevalent so quickly because of something like the pandemic, right? And that's I think that really brought it to the forefront. <laughs> Yeah, I know you and I had the opportunity uh, to talk a while back when we were still working together, kind of side by side, hand in hand, about the importance of that digital presence. Mm-hmm. And it was something that you even kind of wrote an article or yeah. almost a sort of a burgeoning white paper about early on. And I remember you and I sat down and kind of talked about that. And I said, this is gold, Landon. Like, this is absolute gold because as people were shifting to you know, getting on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or, you know, they there were so many things they didn't take into consideration and so many things that were, frankly, outside of their control. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really liked that you put in that hypothesis was this is the way of the future. Mm -hmm. And it is imperative that people understand what digital presence means and the importance of, oh, you know, standing kind of in your own voice, in your own power, in your own brand mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and I'm curious, we're obviously a couple of years into this now. Sure. And there's still people who are working in a hybrid environment. Have you seen tenets of what you originally postulated coming to life? And the second part of that question is, do you ever talk to your clients about the things that you get to do in streaming? <laughs> yeah. There two good questions. Um, I would say yes to the first. I think I I have seen very formal articles, business level articles that are using you know the same terminology that I used you know three four or five years ago, um, which is vindicating for sure. Um, but yes, I, I I see it all the time now, and I think it's something that I would I would I started where it really came to light for me is I was doing a job interview for West Monroe. And somebody put something along those lines. They didn't use the word digital presence, but they used, you know, virtual communication style, like mm-hmm. that as a skill set. And the fact that it was showing up on, you know, a new a new hire's resume really resonated with me because that shows that, hey, like they see this, right? Like this new generation sees this. And of course, right, they're gonna be our driving workforce for the next, you know, foreseeable future. And yeah, so I, I, you know, I see it all the time and part of me goes back. It's like, man, Bill is right. I really should have pushed for this harder. And I, I should have tried to, you know, you know, people always say I should have copyrighted that right as a joke, but, um, and, you know, copywriting you know, an idea like that would be really hard. But I think pushing for that would have been an interesting thing because yeah, I think the pandemic just accelerated it. I always mm-hmm. thought that we were going to go virtual, right? Crypto was another thing that I jumped into very early. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. And so as we just continue to move towards this digital age, you're going to see more and more of this. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I know that people are talking about the metaverse a lot and Mm -hmm. I struggle with that one a little bit, but I do Mm -hmm. think that again, the idea is there. And I think that we'll continue to move that way. So the digital presence was just the start of that, right? You kind of have to take it in steps. You can't, you got to crawl, walk, run. And before you could do any of this, that's the crawl is can I speak in an intelligent manner in a virtual world. 
and that that's yes and then it, it'll evolve over time right it, soon it'll be you know how do i portray myself on video that will be a norm and then it'll mm-hmm. be whatever the next level is right whether it's you know, can I uh, converse in an actual virtual environment where we're portrayed as a hologram or something, right? Like, we don't know where it's going, but um, right. but yeah, so that's the answer to the first well, question. Yeah, and, and I'll let you answer the second one as well with regard to uh, how often or or not do you <laughs> do you reveal to your clients yeah. that you are a, uh, a well-known streamer? <laughs> yeah, I typically do not. Um, I, I, I think it depends. And you, Bill, those consultants love to use that word of it depends. <laughs> um, but it really does because for me, I bring my genuine self and I believe fully in genuine communication, but only to the degree that it can be beneficial. And so a lot of the times, if my clients are already feeling the virtual presence that I have, right, and we're able to converse and it is a positive interaction, then there's no teaching needed there. Right. And I think that, but I have had clients that do struggle in this virtual environment. And so sometimes you have to show credibility before you teach. And in those instances, that's where I will say like, yeah, like, you know, I've, I've done a fair bit of, you know, virtual entertainment slash streaming and, and I find what's easy for me. Right. And that's usually a more personal conversation. So, it, you know, if, if I'm doing a, a quick engagement or something like that, I'm not going to just drop that there. But for long term engagements and or individuals that um, show a bit of vulnerability with me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where mm-hmm. it really comes to light, because. I will give you as much as you want so that it's not – that's something that I've had to learn over time is uh, that uh, while it's good to be genuine, sometimes you don't want to overwhelm. And yeah. as you know, I <laughs> can sometimes be described as an overwhelming force. Um, so I've started to dial that back where, where it's necessary. But um, yeah, and, and it depends on who it is too, right? Different people view sure. the streaming industry um, in different ways. Right. And my, my dad is a perfect example of that where he's kind of had a change of tune, right. Where Mm -hmm. when, when you start having, you know, Forbes and other individuals of merit in their, you know, social spheres, write about the business opportunity that is, you know, the streaming industry, then they start to change their tune a little bit. So over time I've been able to call it more of a skill more and more, as opposed to, you know, changing the diction and the terminology to match what they want. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating reading a series of articles and hearing news stories about some of these streamers who mm-hmm. are making some serious revenue, some <laughs> serious profit, um, like Forbes worthy, right? Uh, yeah. Headline headline worthy. Um, yeah, I'd love to pick up on um, something you mentioned before. You know, you had mentioned kind of the passion and exuberance that you bring, and I said in in the intro. Uh, you're a gentle giant. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about this, the origin story of your handle? Yeah. Uh, I, w- I, you know, I don't know if I was pronouncing it correctly, but I know you and I had a discussion around what that gentle act meant and yeah. the origins of it. Um, talk about that, because I think that was a really kind of compelling story that brought you to life mm-hmm. in a handle. Um, and that was really, that was really just kind of a fascinating learning. So please tell us that sure. origin story. Yeah, it's um it's always a fun story to tell because everybody everybody who's interested in the stream, and when I say interested, I mean like they want to stick around and they want to know more about me, they always ask, what is a Genelac? Which I do that on purpose, right? Like I, I want them to ask. Um so Genelac, which again I might mean Mr. Maratonic too, to be honest. Um 
But Genelac is an old Spanish word, and it's a, a it's a tale. It's a kind of a you know a mountain's tale, if you will, of back in back in I can't remember which war it was. I want to say it was a war with the French. There's this story of the Spanish and the French are in a war, and these uh, large, just I mean giants, if you will, came down from the mountains. Big, big hairy giants is the way I'll describe it. Um, and they hurled monoliths and large, you know, rock structures at the French and helped the Spanish win the war. But they were so they were seen as protectors from the Spanish, and they were seen as really just kind of like these. They were always known to kind of keep to themselves. But they came in a time of need, and I, and I like that first of all because a lot, what a lot of people don't know about me, and I'm and I'm rather proud of it, is I actually have a, a pretty deep Spanish heritage that I didn't know when I was growing up. So I'm very passionate about it because my mom was born in La Huerta, Spain, um, but she was adopted when she was two into a military family, so she didn't even discover her family until her 40s and 50s, right? Like she never really went back. So when she was in her 40s or 50s, I was in my teens and 20s. And so that was important to me, right? That my mom was kind of finding her family. And so we all have a sense of, you know, purpose around just the Spanish heritage in general. Um, So I wanted to do that. And then, as you commented, I am a large human. Uh, I am a, I am a, uh, I am a large, hairy, white male. For anybody who, it's not hard to picture that in American society. But yeah, I'm about six three and have a beard and kind of fit the mold. So, um, you know, just this idea of being able to tie my Spanish heritage, my physical appearance, and then being able to prompt people to ask the question. That's really what I wanted, right? Because I want an inquisitive audience, and that brand is. Brand is something that if I could give advice to any small streamer, whether you're going to do it or not, and I I don't feel like people are careful enough on the internet today, but being careful doesn't mean you don't have to be who you are. I just think that you need to be, the word I always use is intentional. You need to be intentional from the get-go. It doesn't matter if you have two followers or 2,000. You need to be very intentional with who you want to be and who you, who your community wants to be, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to trust me. It could be exhausting to stream to people you like, let alone people you dislike. So if you're building a community that tires you out while you're on stream, you're not going to keep doing it. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's kind of like being surrounded by uh, coworkers that you just don't enjoy. Like you're not going to want to stay at that job. Well, the beauty of streaming is you have the power to create that community, right? If there's somebody mm-hmm. who's acting in a way that you dislike, whether even if they're 50% of your following, right? You need to drop that 50% of your following and, and just keep building. And I know that's hard. Like when you put it into business, right? Can you imagine, right? We always have this term back from old West Monroe days, Bill knows this, of anything for money. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's hard, right? It's like, oh man, I have somebody in here, but they're kind of saying things that I disagree with. Well, shut that down because... Mm-hmm you know, two, three, four years from now, you're going to have double the followers, double the inner, double the viewers. And you're going to have people who are, you know, asking you about your day or chatting about like the next for me, right? Like the next Pokemon set or Pokemon investing, which is like a very niche thing that, you know, I'm very passionate about. And so you have to build that brand early and feel empowered to do so and be intentional about it. And I think that's the piece that for me, when I was picking Genelac Gaming, and again, I, like I said, I've gotten mixed reviews on that because it's not easy mm-hmm. to say. It's not easy to spell, right? It's J-E-N-T-I-L-A-K. It's not even really an English word, right? I don't, like, I don't know where it comes from except for that it's Spanish origin. So, But I've stuck to that because I would rather have, and I tell this to my wife all the time, I would rather have a small community that is of quality than a large mm-hmm. community that is not. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just yeah. really important to me. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of research myself, and it actually um, is a Basque a Basque word. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, gentilac is actually the plural yep. for the singular gentil. Or, um, and and it, as you described, it was sort of that, that race of giants in the Basque mythology. The other word that you used that I really, really loved was you said inquisitive. Mm-hmm. And you talked about being intentional and inquisitive in setting your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that for a couple of reasons. One is it leaves the door open for people to ask you about your brand, mm-hmm. to inquire about your brand. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, you interact with so many brands during your day, right? You interact with business brands, you interact with Pokemon, with Dota, <laughs> with like, I mean, a lot of these things I don't know about and yeah. I actually would love to talk more about them because it's a whole world. I mean, I, I watch some of your work on Instagram primarily. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating to me. Like, I I feel the energy coming through that channel. And I know nothing about what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm feeling that, imagine what a equally passionate, inquisitive mm-hmm. person is feeling that that gets energy from you. Like, I yeah. think you, the way you described it was so perfect. Your audience... And the people engaging with you, it can be so tempting, especially in today's world, where um, the most negative voices get the mm-hmm. the highest megaphone, right. right? And that vampiric energy, and I'm using that word very intentionally, can drain you, as yeah. you described, right? You get you get one like uh, carcinogenic person and personality, yeah. and they start pulling, and then before you know it, other people are in that, and, and then before you know it, all of your energy is drained. Yep. Right. And you and you've you've strayed from why you even did this in the first place. And I know that certainly celebrities and authors and directors and people who deal with that all the time, mm-hmm. it's not that different in the in the world of streaming. So. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, like the inquisitive side of it and and that intention piece. Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that you, I mean, I'm just putting, I'm putting words out here, so sure. don't feel that, you know, I'm assigning <laughs> them to you, but I'd almost manage, you kind of have to like, do like a cleanse before you go in. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, in the gamer world, toxic. That's the word that comes to mind. Toxic. Right. Okay. It, it's called, yeah. and that's something that you'll hear all the time in the gaming community is, oh, this game is toxic, or this streamer is toxic, or chat is toxic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's the other piece of it too that people, uh, they call it uh, sympathy content or a sympathy post where people will oh. post about feel bad for me. And those tend to do really well too. And it's something that I've tried to avoid. I don't like sympathy content. And I don't like toxic content. I just don't like toxicity in general, Um, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because the oldest game that I play is Dota 2. And Mm -hmm. Dota 2 is a MOBA, which stands for Multiplayer Online Battle Arena, which is very much so one of the most teamwork-based games. It's a 5v5. Um, So you're relying on your teammates pretty heavily. You cannot win without the, the inclusion of your teammates, which tends to lend towards toxicity, right? As you have individuals interact, if you're not playing with people you know, which is pretty rare, right? Like nowadays, I think people are pretty intentional with trying to play with individuals that they know. They're, but this is by far the largest gaming genre in the world. Um, you know, Dota 2 has had, you know, 
over a hundred million in um, just payouts from their world championships. League of Legends is another one people will hear. Uh, Overwatch is another one people will hear. Counter Strike is another one. These are all MOBAs, right? And I think that that's the first game it, it, that plays to my competitive edge. And so mm. one of the things I'll say is every game or every piece of content or subject matter that I do is a direct reflection of a personality trait. And I think I was, again, very intentional about that. If I'm going to make content, because, again, it's not my full-time job. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it because I want to. And I yeah. think that each one of those things lends to a different community. And so the, the, the tough part is blending all those together, right, and making sure that you can still kind of keep all audiences engaged. Um, mm-hmm. But my hope is I'm the reason that they stay engaged, right? Over time, right? Individuals will follow you for your subject matter, right? Whether it's Dota or Pokemon or whatever, but then they stay because of the individual. And I think that that's, that's the piece that I've always kind of understood and have pushed towards, right? Is like, and I might not be for you, right? Like some people crave that toxic community and, and that's okay. And, and you know, whatever you're dealing with, (laughs) you could trust me, there are streamers and content creators that can do that. Um, but yeah, like Dota two competitive edge for sure. Uh, that's the one that I'm probably a little less jovial to be honest, right? Like I'm, I'm a little bit more calculated. I'm talking about, you know, min maxing and strategy and that kind of stuff because I'm very competitive in that game. Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. Pokemon is my favorite because Pokemon is such a special community. Again, Pokemon is built as a children's card game. Let's be very clear here. It's a children's game that a lot of millennials grew up with. So the sense of nostalgia that you get and the ability to share with the next generation. And there's just so many things that are positive about that brand that you can just naturally bring in. And it's a, first of all, it's a great offset to something like Dota for me. Right. Um, but that is, that's one that is super rewarding for me because I love Pokemon go. And I really picked up, uh, the Pokemon trading card company again. And I say again, because, uh, I, I did collect when I was eight, nine, 10, 11 years old back in 1999. And so I picked it back up again during COVID. I was looking for something that was away from the screen. It was really important to me because I am a streamer and a remote worker and a technology worker. I was spending way too much time in front of a screen. And this is coming from, mm-hmm. you know, an avid gamer. And yeah. so I was like, what could I do that I'm passionate about that I can share with others that would be away from the screen. And, you know, mm-hmm. board games, eh, I already have my competitive edge. I play Dota for that. So I don't I don't really want to do, do board games. And I just saw Logan Paul really, you know, burst Pokemon back onto the scene. So I went and bought a couple packs. And that nostalgia of, you know, opening the packs and seeing what you get, there's a bit of a gambling factor there too, honestly, right? Like, what am I going to pull? Um and then kind of sharing the successes and the miseries with each other and trading and fostering community. And Pokemon Go is really good about that, too. They, they, their whole purpose, if you ever have looked up kind of Niantic's mission statement, I love it. It's get out and go and meet new people. Like, that is what they're trying to do. And sometimes they get a lot of heat for that, too, um, because of what people are used to, right? Like, um, you know, they... I think that they got rid of remote raids for a while because they wanted people to get out and meet each other again. And people were really upset about that. They're like, how am I supposed to do this? I'm working. Well, you're not. You're not supposed to play the game all the time, every day. You're supposed to do it when you can and go meet those individuals that you can. And, and they understand that. So they're directly hurting their engagement so that people can engage in the right way again. Um, and so, yeah, just doing all of those things 
and really making that connection of what does this game do for me, breaking it down by personality traits. Where do I get my competitive edge? Where do I get my release? Where do I get my sense of community and sharing? The other side that I've noticed is the artistic side. I've never been a super artistic person, right? I, I like to sing a little bit, as you know. Um, but I that's typically a shower. I'm pretty much a shower singer for the most part. Um, so it was hard for me to express the artistic side. But then uh, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, and I started to understand, you know, the arts a bit more. And Pokemon, I started really appreciating the art behind it and the illustrators that put so much time and effort into it and they their name is on the bottom of every card which as a child you're not going to notice that you know uh mitsushita did this card and he's a super famous illustrator because he's been around the whole time um and so now you're starting to look at it as an art piece too and, and a collection piece and now you're that's really where adults start to come into play right is they're starting to there's this nostalgia factor and obviously a value factor you know again thanks logan paul and, and the pandemic for that um, but there's also this art piece style, right? They're like basically little mini art paintings um, that I've, I've grown to love too. So it's just kind of hitting all of those personality traits and then I can do which one I want based on what I'm feeling that day. And so you talk about the cleanse and it's true. Uh, Twitch streaming is hard because of that, right? That's, that's real time. That's live. It's a one-to-one ratio of the time you put in is the content that's created. It's not very passive, right? I know passive is a big word nowadays with like passive income and that kind of stuff. So I, Mm -hmm. I've started to do, when I noticed that I started to do more TikTok and more Instagram and more YouTube, some, some short form or long form content that stays up there. Right. And then that was just another thing that I learned over time is you don't have to be in front of the screen to share, right? You can Mm -hmm. do it, post it. It'll be up there forever. So that was another thing that just really drove kind of my passion. And I'm learning about the industry is it's so broad and it's so new and misunderstood still that even for somebody like me that's been doing it for a while, um, I'm still learning every single day in regards to just social media in general. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let me just let me just start there. The learning you just shared so much that I I mean, in that little moment, I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. And part of the reason I love this platform, as you know, is every single time I have a guest on, I learn, (laughs) I learn, I learn, I learn. And you and I are both such lifelong learners. So I took all these notes as you were talking. So I'm going to ask a few things here. Sure. First of all, I love the word nostalgia. And I love the way you described it, because one of the questions I always had was, what is it about the Pokemon experience, right? The cards, the Go, the what is it about that that draws people in? And you described it perfectly for me. You said when you were eight years old, which I can picture, right? Mm-hmm. The You had the cards and you they were a tactile experience and they represented something. And you described so well, you said it's nostalgia. Well, nostalgia is a Greek word for sorrow mm-hmm. or despair. So I think it's really interesting is here we are in this time of COVID, as you described, it sort of came back into your into your consciousness during mm-hmm. COVID, which is which is so full of sorrow and despair. Yep. Right. We're losing people. We're losing connections. We're fighting, you know, a pandemic in our time. Mm-hmm. And you reached back for a time of precious innocence. Yep. And childhood. And. It needed to be something tactile, right? Why? And I'm just guessing here. Keep me honest, Landon, but we couldn't touch people, right? Nope. Like we couldn't hug people. We couldn't hug our family. Correct. And so it seems like you needed something that was tactile as much as it was 
visual and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love, I love that you helped me make that connection. The other thing that I'd love for, for you to touch upon possibly here is you'd mentioned, and I, the word I heard was dopamine, the dopamine hit that comes with opening a pack, right? Um, I use gambling, but dopamine's a better word. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, you use gambling, I'll use dopamine. I mean, essentially, it's the same thing it, in the brain. It, it's right? similar, the brain is, yeah. The same part of the brain lights up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it so interesting that that sense of um, that feeling, that sensation that brings the smile to your face. And I've watched, I've watched a number of these where you do these unveilings, these revealings, these unpackings. Keep me honest with the terminology yeah. here. Can you walk us through one of those just what that's like sure. uh, for some people that are listening, they probably know what that is, but that was, that was a whole new world to me that I was like, wait, what am I watching? It's like Christmas morning every day we landed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and that, that, that's based on the medium too. Right. So mm-hmm. typically again, I'm an individual who likes to maximize my time. Thank you. Consulting. Um, and so I was streaming Twitch a lot and I, and I tend to do, they're called pack openings, right? And so you essentially, you know, you show the pack unopened and you open it in front of your audience and you see what you get, right? And you're you're all kind of on a, on a ride together because you don't know what you're going to get. And certain ones can be, people are there for so many different reasons, right? Like I could be opening a pack, some of these packs, right? Like the typical cost for a pack is about 399. Right, it's gonna go up to four ninety nine because of you know uh, cost of materials, but the typical modern pack is about four bucks. However, in that four dollar pack, depending on what it is, right? Because Pokemon is released in sets, right? Which just means throughout the year they're gonna be releasing new new cards. Um, you know, you could pull a four hundred dollar card, which is just so that sense of like mystery. Because for some people, uh, four to four hundred. That's a substantial financial like goal for them, right? Is like, wow, like I just made three hundred ninety six dollars in ten seconds, and so they love that. I think the other piece is people love to chase their favorite Pokemon, right? Like I'm a huge Arcanine or Dragonite fan, so if I'm looking for a certain card because I know it's in that set and I find it, I'm gonna be overjoyed. Um, and so, but some of these packs too, and and I haven't done many like this, but if you go pick a pack from nineteen ninety nine. Uh, and it's a first edition base set pack, which for anybody listening, if there is a pack in your cupboard or attic or whatever it is that has a one on it and it ha- and it looks old, keep it. Those packs are eight to ten grand. They tend really just for a pack, one pack. And the reason that they're eight to ten grand is there aren't very many of them, supply and demand. And they're all going to be what we call pack fresh. So when you open those cards, they're going to be pack fresh. They're going to have the factory smell. There's not going to be a scratch or dust on them. And frankly, some of those cards are just astronomical in value. Um, And so, you know, those are, there's, and even everything's heightened for a pack like that, right? Whether it's the nostalgia, right? Because you're pulling a card that you haven't seen since 1999, especially in that condition. Um, and conditions a whole different aspect of it. That's when you start to get into the Pokemon investing and the and the Pokemon um, just trading game in general. Um, but yeah, so I think that for me, when I'm opening everything, what you see are typically recaps, right? Okay. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do. I'll, I'll go back to this efficiency point of 
when I was streaming on Twitch, I would stream for hours on end. I would stream so long that my hands and wrists get tired from opening packs, right? You're opening hundreds of packs at a time. And what I wanted to do was I do get excited, right? No matter how long I'll be streaming, I do get excited. So instead of having people sift through, you know, a three hour vlog, uh, I hired an editor. I have an employee. Um, really? Yeah. And, uh, and I went through kind of a hiring process and found an editor that wanted to partner with me. And I was very clear that this is going to be a partnership because, um, you know, I'm not a multi-million dollar streaming service yet, so I can't be paying those premiums, but um, he'll go through and he cuts them up and he goes and he finds, wow. you know, the, whether it can, it can be a 20 minute, you know, long form YouTube video to a, you know, 30 second short form of me pulling one of my favorite cards or a really expensive card. And that's fun because I get to share it with the individuals on the stream, which is really fun for me. But then what's even more fun is you kind of get to show the whole community now um because of the 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 recording factor of it and so i'll put that stuff up there because a now you're getting twice the value for streaming which was really important to me and two for those that can't make it instead of having to sift through three hours just head to my instagram or my tiktok and you can go Mm -hmm. see a 20 second clip of what i pulled you know and people love to talk about it like oh i haven't pulled it yet or it's a very easy thing to draw comments on right i haven't i haven't pulled it yet or i pulled it first pack or wow, that's so cool, or congratulations, right? Like it, it plays on so many different human emotions, right? Jealousy, uh, uh, admiration, uh, envy, envy, <laughs> empathy, right? Like it's it's so many things because there and there's so many people that do it, right? Like there's even individuals, you know, one of my favorite, you know, I'll, I'll shout out uh, Pokemon Dale because he lives here in Arizona now, and I met him in a card show, and he's awesome, by the way. He, you know, he he could retire anytime he wants, but his is all centered around opening with his grandkids. And really, and I love. Oh my god, that. this makes me so happy. Yeah, oh, there's I, like multi generations in this. Correct. This is crazy. So that's what I love about him. And so you know, he'll get on, and he'll be like, "The grandkids were so excited to see you hit that, right?" Like, so yeah. it's it's just fun. There's so many different age groups that get involved, and the pack openings. To your point, are just it's the suspense. It starts as suspense. Mm-hmm. And then it can be, and sometimes I'll post the letdowns too, right? Because everybody's like, why do you only post the good stuff? And I was like, you know what? You're right. Here. Here's one that I was really disappointed in because I thought it was something else, right? Because sometimes the cards will shift a little bit. You try to hide them behind each other and go through the whole pack. But um, yeah, so like it'll shift in the back and you'll see something shiny. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I think we got something, right? And you're kind of hyping up the moment. You're like, could it be, right? Could it be the $400 Umbreon card? What do you guys think it is, right? And again, that goes back to that Inquisition because I want to the whole reason I'm doing this is to interact, right? Like that's why I like doing it is to interact. And so I'm not going to just flip through and be like, this is worth this much. I do some information stuff, but most of my community is built around collaboration because that's how I wanted it to be. I do some informative stuff for sure, because I think that I spend so much time doing it that it's, it's worthy to share like the, the tidbits that I know, but mostly it's around that. I want them to be inquisitive. I want to interact with them. Um, and so, yeah, it's funny because there's this term on Twitch called a lurker. And what a lurker mm-hmm. means is you watch, but you don't comment. And lurker sounds like such a negative term, but it's really, it's really not. Every streamer is appreciative of every viewer, no matter what they do, right? Do I want to talk to you? Absolutely. But if you're not in the mood and you just want to watch, that's totally fine, right? I have, shoot, I I even do um, chill streams. I'll put it in the titles. Like, listen, guys, if you see chill stream in the title and you hear an instrumental music playing or something slower and I'm just kind of opening packs, 
that's just so you can hang out right come hang out i probably won't be reading chat as frequently sometimes i get drawn in a little bit if i get a really big hit and i i have Mm -hmm. to change the music and all that um but uh but yeah so I, i think that's that's the piece that i love about each different medium too right is that you can kind of you can have them work together. And I think that's important to have them work together because you want to maximize the time that you're doing this because time is finite. So if yeah. you're going to be doing it, I, I, I highly recommend the days of just streaming until you make it or over. I tell people that all the time, all of the mentors that I watch, because I try to be a better streamer every day. They all say that too. The days of streaming until you make it are over. It used to be, be in front of people as often as possible. That's how you're mm-hmm. going to draw people in. That's how you're going to get discovered. That is not the case anymore. Now it's get stuff out on TikTok, get stuff out on YouTube that's up there for, you know, forever um, and stream to as many mediums as you can. And then, you know, announce your Twitch streams, right? Because Twitch, there's been some back and forth within the industry and we could get into that a little bit, but there's been a lot of back and forth around how Amazon is handling their platform with Twitch versus how YouTube's doing it. And there's mm-hmm. always, people always talk about Mixer, which is Facebook's old streaming service that did not go oh, over yeah. well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a whole different side of the industry that people um, are continuing to uh, debate upon. But I, yeah. they all agree that being on more is better, not necessarily yeah. being in front of a screen. So there's a couple of things that you said that I would love to, to kind of just put a lot of goodness around. Mm-hmm. And that is you originally said people come for the content, but they stay for the individual. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because that to me as you described, was sort of a a pivot in, in streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I think which is really important to name here, and one of the things I'm finding as you tell your story, is it's it's about collaborative energy for you. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just going to ask a question. I'm going to put this question out, out there and ask, when you described your chill streams, what I felt was this is a way in which you can help others battle loneliness. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? You know, yes. I I don't think I've ever thought about it in that way, right? Because then, again, I kind of just, sometimes I just do things on stream that feel natural to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say, you know, I think that there are individuals out there, I know that there are individuals out there that ask, if I haven't streamed in a while, like, hey, where you been? And, And so there's a sense of accountability there to Mm -hmm. to do that and so yeah absolutely so sometimes i just want to get out there and be like hey you know what i feel like relaxing today but i'm still gonna show up for you guys Mm -hmm. and i would encourage that you relax with me right yeah and and i think that's yeah so but yes the the reason that you know i would maybe go on and sometimes i don't feel like streaming and i still will and Mm -hmm. i know that that that's the sense of accountability i feel because there are individuals out there that pull from me right from a from a companionship and community perspective if you're if you're going to build a community like that it's kind of like being a manager or being an owner of a company it's sometimes you're not doing it for you you're doing it for those that you know you've inspired and or kind of pulled in and now you've done that so it's kind of like adopting a pet you like you have a sense of ownership there and so you you need to to do the best you can and sometimes if i'm not having the energy levels to where i know because i'm a little bit of a perfectionist so if i know i don't have the energy levels to do a hard-hitting stream with fast pace 
but I still want to stream. That's where the chills come, the, the chill streams come in so that people can still join. Right. And they'll ask questions yeah. and what, how receptive I am. You know, they kind of respond to that. And that goes back to the community piece of it. Right. It's like right. a lot of them, like you're, if I have somebody who's, I'm doing a chill stream and they're like, Hey, why aren't you noticing me? Why aren't you talking to me? And they're just blowing up the chat. Um, I will direct, I will directly interact with them quickly and say, Hey, like, you know, kind of lay the ground rules here for what a chill stream is like and do it that way. And, I just know there's other people watching and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll, let, he'll let them know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's just so interesting because like I think about, right. This is the week, the week that Taylor Swift released her midnight <laughs> album, you know? Yep. And it, <laughs> oh, I it's know. It's incredible. And, <laughs> my, my, and, and lots of people listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, I think about how she's curated community right Mm -hmm. and how she connects directly with her community and her listeners and her fans and her swifties or whatever and um and one of the things i've always found to be really kind of admirable from afar and i think it's what you're hitting on is yes you show up and you stream or you or you um post and you're engaging with your community but you're also actively resisting the urge to show up in any other way than Mm -hmm. you are presently. So even though there's somebody that's in there that's asking you all these questions and wants to engage you, I I imagine it's sort of an exercise in principle and patience to say, hey, I'm actually going to take this person over here, directly communicate with them, not ignore them, but Mm -hmm. like communicate with them and kind of say, hey, I'm just that's not where I'm at today. And yeah. I've had, maybe I've had a long day or, Hey, you know, I, 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 you know, that's a little bit toxic today or whatever, sure. but, but even that takes energy Landon. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just curious when you think about, you do this every, you know, maybe not every day, but you, sure. you think about it and you, you build this muscle, right? How do you put that barrier between that world, them and your home world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's porous, no doubt. It's porous, yeah. but you also want you want it to be because you want people to feel you're authentic. You want them to know that you care for your community, right. and it just makes me wonder about the Taylor Swifts of the worlds or the, you know, the Pokemon Dales of the world, right? Like yeah. it's that's not doing that is not free. Mm-mm. It takes a lot of heart and a lot of mind and a lot of body to do it. So. I, is it is it second nature to you? Are you still working on it? Do you ever do we ever get it right? No, I I, I don't think we do. I, I think first of all, the, one of the hardest things as a content creator is to not conform. I I, I think that that yes. is yes c- c- yeah. conformity is such a powerful thing in today's age too. Um, but no, I, I think that the mental health push has been one of the best things for content creators across the board. And mm-hmm. if you go look at my Instagram account, I can't remember how long ago this was, but I just remember putting up a post of I'm taking a 10-day break. And mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's so similar to expectation setting for clients, right? Yeah. And I think I'm I, – I, but I'm still learning, absolutely still learning. And you're right. There is no – it's never free, right? It's always mm-hmm. – it's always something no matter how chill, you know, you go, you're still in front of a camera, right? And so yeah. I think that for me, it's it's understanding where you are and not being mm-hmm. afraid to there are days that I sh- probably should stream and I don't and I'll make a TikTok instead. 
because that's okay. kind of my compromise, right? Or my mm-hmm. third alternative is, listen, like, I have the energy to do this. I could take my time with it. Um, and so I think that's where some of that, you know, uh, other content comes into play where it's not live streaming. But I think taking breaks is really, really important. And, and you'll see this now with some of the largest streamers in the industry. Some of them haven't taken breaks for years. Like Tyler yeah. Blevins, there are many articles about this from... Pokimane is another one. She doesn't do anything Pokemon related, by the way. Her name is just Pokimane. Um, and she's a massive streamer. And she talks about it a lot. She talks about mental health a lot. Um, and so she goes into, like, because I think that's where that mantra of stream until you make it is also dying out because yeah. of that exact reason of it's not sustainable. Um, and so you do have to take breaks. But I would say in regard. It's definitely hard. I don't want to paint this illusion that it's not because, I mean, some of the spats that I've gotten into with my home life have been around like, hey, like you are too centered around the stream right now, right? Like Mm -hmm. you need to disconnect, leave like phone, no no phone for a weekend, which I don't know if anybody has done this in a while. Try to go without your phone for a weekend. It is both the best and the hardest thing that you could possibly do. If it's not fully removed, right? It's different. Like if you're going camping, right? People always talk mm-hmm. about, wow, it's such a nice reset. Well, yeah, it wasn't your the temptation wasn't there. Try to just do it in your house. See the habits that you've built around your phone in your day-to-day life. Because that was something that I did. And oh my goodness, that was eye-opening. No phone with my coffee in the morning. No, no phone, you know, if I'm going through my uh, hygiene routine, it was wild. And so... You know, it was, I think that everybody is still learning that, right? Mm-hmm. This disconnect from our virtual world. And frankly, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. It's going to get harder. That is yeah. a skill that if you were going to ask me, what's the next skill? The next skill is how to disconnect and stay engaged. It's wow. it, it's a It's a double-edged sword, but it, it would be as this virtual world grows how do we stay in touch with our human instinct and our human passion and there and, and just figuring out our lives versus our virtual life because it will get to that point right where mm-hmm. i mean if anybody's ever seen the movie tron or gamer ready player 1 ready player 1 yeah there are a lot there's a lot of foreshadowing here that i don't know if anybody's ever noticed the movie industry they tend to people talk about the simpsons a lot because they tend to show cultural change before it occurs a lot of times it's in the form of satire well satire is blood and truth and so i think it's going to be interesting because as our virtual world grows and people are talking about the metaverse and building a life in a virtual environment to your point that's going to take a ton of energy and a ton of focus and frankly it's going to have a point of individualism that we don't have today you could quite frankly have two versions of you your virtual and your um people say in irl right Mm -hmm. in real life real life (laughs) um which is crazy to me but that's going to become more and more normal as time goes on and people are going to get swept up in it absolutely like when world of warcraft first came out i never played the game i was terrified of it because i you know most gamers have a semi-addictive personality well you know people got lost they became more their character in the game than they did of themselves. And I think as, as time goes on, the most successful individuals in all aspects 
will be the individuals who can have a strong presence in both IRL Disconnect and, and stay virtual. Engage. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that you took it exactly where I wanted to go, which was the metaverse. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to tell you about a dystopian dream I had last night. <laughs> I love this. Yes. this. I love that. Please. <laughs> so here's my dystopian dream that I had last night, which I think is has everything to do with how much I've studied and learning about the metaverse and obviously the spaces that you and I are in. The dream I had last night was we are in this future. It is rather dystopian. It is very much metaverse. We've got these goggles on. And every time we meet someone in the metaverse, and this is not an option, but what ends up happening through kind of neurotechnology that's taken either from the goggles directly into the brain, if I were to meet you in this dystopian future dream I had, within five, like in a five second span, I have to, I cannot, there's no option not to, I have to see uh, all of your web browser history that you've ever looked at your entire life (gasps) goes into my brain in like a five second window. All of it, like super fast, all of it plays through. And that is the cost of entry to meeting someone. Wow. And what ends up happening in the dream is I am in these different rooms and what is cycling through are all of these people and all of this horrible, very toxic, Mm -hmm. very disturbing, heartbreaking web browser history. Yeah. And I'm essentially trying to run away from the room I'm in into a room that has less people and is calmer and frankly has people who have been around a shorter period of time because their web content history is not as long. (laughs) um, And they've been very selective about it. And I can't get out of that room fast enough. Um, And essentially what ends up happening in my dream is uh, I go crazy and I come undone because I'm watching all of these horrors. Mm -hmm. um, And it was very unsettling we'll just leave it at that so that said (laughs) yeah i agreed (laughs) nobody nobody would interact yeah think about that like i if that's the price almost no one would be okay with interacting in that way and showing that level of vulnerability which again that directly goes in contact with what humans crave right which Mm -hmm. is community belonging yep so all of that is a precursor. Let's talk about the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> With that said, let's talk metaverse. <laughs> you you had some strong opinions you had mentioned. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot out there that people are reading now. Um, it's been an interesting week in tech. Yeah. Um, we won't, won't go into that. Um, but I would just love to, to hear some of your thoughts around mm-hmm. um, the metaverse, what it's shaping up to be, what your hopes or fears, Ready Player One, coming to real life are. Yeah, I think the metaverse is so interesting to me, and and it, and it's crazy because I turn thirty next year, and I cannot understand it. <laughs> I feel like I, I I always just like fly flash back to like when I'm trying to describe why I love the Game Boy Advance to my dad, right? Like it's like when I hear an individual trying to explain to me why I would want a house next to Snoop Dogs in the metaverse, right? Like. It's just so foreign, and and I think that it's because of that level of 
uncomfortability, I think that I'm not alone. An individual mm-hmm. such as myself that works in tech, that is a streamer, if I'm a little bit on the fence about it, yeah. just, I mean, the general population, I, I am not what I would consider to be a super user, obviously, but I also would not call myself adverse, right? Like I, I would, I would, I should You're be definitely able to, not a Luddite. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So, so I think it's interesting. Um, I would like to see the metaverse in the work culture first, which is kind of strange, but I've always said this to people. I would prefer to see the metaverse in a work environment first, where if you're working remote, because that that's an easier way. People do a very good job of separating personal and work life for the most part, right? Like that's something mm-hmm. that comes almost fairly natural, but people have a really hard time separating their hobbies from their personal. And I think yeah. that that a lot of people, I always try to say this to people, your hobby is not your personality. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I love Pokemon, but it's not my personality, right? My personality is competitive edge, um, sense of community, right? Those things. And it can be reflected anywhere, right? That's always something that I try to preach with my community. I just released a TikTok yesterday that was very, like every once in a while I'll do a TikTok that's not on brand and I'll put that in quotes, but it was, I was watching some guy and he bought 12 Charizard ultra premium boxes, which is the new hot box that's come out. And he bought 12 from Walmart well, each box is $120. So you know that he spent about well over $1,000 during a recession on Pokemon cards, hoping for a financial return. And mm. I just, I can't stand to see people do that. And so I released a, like a stop doing this, right? Like stop doing this, giving my reasons why, you know, some people are calling me a hypocrite, obviously, because I have a bunch of stuff behind me that's all sealed product. But I, I think it's interesting. And so people are going to have a hard time differentiating their hobbies from their personal life. Whereas work, Mm -hmm. I don't think they will. And so I, like you, am terrified of the potentiality of the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So if we can start in a controlled, you know, go back to science class in a a controlled environment, right? And do a control first, let's do it in work. Let's have a virtual Mm -hmm. office and let's, let's have people all come into the office, right? In, in a virtual way and walk around and test it out and work, right? Because nobody wants to spend all day working, hopefully, no matter how cool the metaverse is. And so do it that way. I I think that dopamine is a very powerful, uh, I, uh, I'm not going to use the word drug, but it's a very powerful stimuli that, yeah, that, if you mix what people use to escape with something like the metaverse, that to me is not a healthy way to use it. And I think that there are healthy ways to do anything, right? Everybody talks about everything in moderation. There's healthy ways to drink. There's healthy ways to play video games. There's healthy ways to go to the gym. I could tell you about that because I've gone too hard in the gym and almost killed myself, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are things, everything is better in moderation. So I think that we have to be very tactful with that because we know that large corporations are going to do what sells best, not what's most ethical. And we had a course at Gonzaga called computational ethics. And it was my favorite course because it talked about, you know, the computer engineer and the technical heads in the room. What is our ethical course of action and what is our 
you know, kind of Knights at the Round Table moment of how do we protect the public that doesn't understand some of this stuff, right? Yeah. And I think that that's coming to light more and more, right, with the mental health stuff. and that. But, you know, it's largely gone unchecked for the last decade or two. And I think that will be a really big topic over the next 20... Sustainability and computational ethics, I think, are the two largest topics of the next generation. And so it'll be interesting yeah. as the metaverse evolves, that's going to kind of encapsulate both. We saw it with crypto. Crypto mm -hmm. impacted sustainability, <laughs> right? Like to where we had to shut down Bitcoin miners in China. So it's interesting to see how that will evolve. But I would like to see it start and work um, yeah. first, and yeah. then we could figure it out. Wait, take it slow. Take something like that slow. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you kind of guiding that um, that narrative, right? Because mm -hmm. I think you're at this really powerful intersection of streamers and gamers and business people and you know, community, and there's not a lot of people that have um, their informed points of view based on standing in all of those arenas. Mm -hmm. And this is the realm in which we will be working, as you describe. Yep. Um, you know, the the last thing I'd love to just chat with you about, you and I are both Jesuit educated, right? And, yes. And that, that sense of go forth and set the world on fire, mm -hmm. right? There's that sense of leaving the world better than you found it. So... You mentioned earlier time is finite. You had mentioned, obviously, you had had, uh, you know, a health scare. Um, mm -hmm. When you think about legacy, yes. one of the things that I'm very conscious of as a fellow creator, and I'm inspired by creators like you and you telling your story, mm -hmm. is the sense of, you know, what we're going to leave behind. So as you think about what you do every day, what you show up to do every day, mm -hmm. the joy that you bring every day, it's a big question, but what is the gentle giant's legacy? What do you want it to be? Oh man, I get sh I get goosebumps even like having that question asked to me because it's it is such an important piece of why I do things and who I am. Um, you know, some of the people that are closest to me understand. They always ask me like, Landon, how do you find the motivation? How do you find the energy? And I always talk about discipline and that kind of stuff and how motivation and discipline are different. And I think I'm just, I don't know. Like I, when I was a teenager, I have a lot of admiration for my dad and I watched a movie with him and it's, it always, it always comes back to the movies and yeah. I watched Troy and yeah. you know, Mixed reviews there from a lot of people, but generally I would like to think that people enjoy the movie Troy with Brad Pitt. If you haven't watched it, go give it a look. But it really resonated with me because obviously, you know, everybody wants to be Achilles. And I did. I, 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 have, a, <laughs> I have what I call main character energy. That's what I like to describe <laughs> people as. And, you know, main character energy could be good or bad, right? But you are yeah. the spotlight no matter what. Um, and Achilles... You know, he has, he's, he's a God and he can never die unless he so chooses to. And, you know, he's given this premonition from his mother, somebody, he cared about nobody more in this world than his mother. And his mother tells him, if you go to Troy, you will perish, mm -hmm. but your legacy will live on forever. Mm -hmm. And he chose that. And so that really resonated with me. So even from the age of like 13, 14, 15, I'm asking myself a question that most individuals at that age aren't. Yeah. How do I create a legacy? I started very mm -hmm. early. Um, and, you know, it changes over time. 
right? Yeah. With pandemics and health scares and marriage and children and all that. And, you know, no announcements here on children. Um, but, <laughs> um, and yeah. And so for me, I always talk and I, I, I remember describing this to my wife because before we got married, I wanted her to know who she was signing up with. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, listen, one of the things you're going to realize about me very quickly is there's nothing more important to me in this world than legacy. Nothing. And I shape that every day and I feel like every action. And that can be an immense pressure that I put on myself that I have to kind of work on sometimes. But it's why I go to the gym every day, right? Self-image is important. It's why I push so hard to do what people would probably deem, you know, a pretty high intensity job that has a lot of impact and payoff. It's why I stream. It's, it's this sense of, you know, I come back to this question of what do you want to be known for? And I think yeah. for me... I just, it's so, it's it's so interesting to think about. I want to be remembered for as long as possible and for the right reasons. And I've, and I've had to structure it that way because I have such a hard time figuring out what that thing is, right? It's almost, it's almost too daunting of a task to, to look at it and be like, my streaming career is how I get remembered for the next three, four, 500 years. Right. And that's, that's, that's the goal, right? I don't even have a number involved. Could I be remembered for a millennia? Sure. I would love that as long as possible. And there's some selfishness to that, that I've had to reflect on too, right? Is like, Mm -hmm. is that really the way that you should view this? Right. And so it's a very, very reflective exercise. And so for me, it all comes back to what I want to be known for is an individual who tried to break down walls. Yeah. And it didn't matter what that wall was. It started with, you know, genuine communication between individuals, right? That was something that, and I still push that, but that's starting to become more of a hot topic, right? Where individuals are, we're pushing vulnerability, especially in men in, in today's mm-hmm. age, right? And so a lot of these walls are going down. So what's, you know, what's Landon slash Genelac's next challenge? Well, it's the next wall, right? Whatever yeah. that's going to be, I want to be known for that individual who has a manic energy to break down walls and hopefully people benefited from that, right? That's like kind of, if I were to try and encapsulate it in a phrase, it's a manic energy to break down walls in a positive way for those that I don't know and definitely for those that I know. Yeah. You bring me such inspiration, Landon. <laughs> I just I just got to say thank you. Like every yeah. time, I mean, first of all, I miss you. I miss the hell out of you. <laughs> I miss um, you too. <laughs> and I just get such reassurance and positivity in everything that you do and it reminds me that as a co-creator and as a fellow creator like you know for those that are listening like don't hesitate Mm-mm. right don't wait like the world needs the streamers the world needs the podcasters the world needs the creators the world needs the sing in the shower yeah. <laughs> people and in the car <laughs> right you know and and I'm I'm so inspired to you know enter that next songwriting contest or, Mm -hmm. you know, start sketching or order a keyboard and start composing, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many elements to what you, what you share that reminds me as an individual and as a member of a community, you never know what people need to break down that wall between them and their next, their next potential, right? Yeah. Um, So I just want to say thank you for 
being that from day one, from from when we first met, that infectious manic energy to make the world a better place. I want to I want to say thank you. Yeah, of course. And uh, sorry, I want I want to say one more thing here. Sure, please. Because we always hear this cliche of "Don't be afraid to fail," and that cliche doesn't work very well because you're insinuating failure, right? You're going to tell somebody, "Don't be afraid to fail," and they're going to fixate on failure. And I have reworded that to be, "Don't be afraid to learn." And it kind of, it goes back to the Jesuit way of teaching a little bit, right? Of we're lifelong learners, but uh, failure and losing, right? I come from a sports background and they always talk about how you learn more from your losses than from your wins. But again, you have to lose and no one likes to lose and no one likes to fail. So what I, I've started to reword it with all of my mentees is don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to not know and then learn something because that it's a positive light, but it's the exact same thing. It's you didn't know it. And then you learn something that learned mm-hmm. something could be, you know, that I, it didn't go well, but I learned something or it could be, it did go well. And I learned something, but I always try to tell people now, and it doesn't have to be massive. You don't have to be a, uh, NFL athlete or a, you know, chase your dreams for sure. But you're going to mm-hmm. realize that there are other things in your life, even smaller, start small. Because there are other things in your life that you're you're going to have an excuse to be afraid to learn, right? Whether it's, I don't want to start cooking because I don't want people to think less of me because I'm not a good cook. I'm afraid to start learning that skill. Don't be. Start with anything. I'm afraid to, you know, learn how to run a six-minute mile, right? Start. That's what I've started to do is, is word, word it that way. And you're mm-hmm. going to notice that you're, you're kind of willing to take things on because it sounds silly. Sounds mm-hmm. silly. I'm afraid to learn how to cook. <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> to learn how to swim. No, yeah. that sounds silly. But if you say, I'm afraid to fail at cooking because X, Y, Z, that has such a different connotation to it. There's so a I, heaviness I just, to it. Yeah. There's this, mm-hmm. we don't need more of that in our world right now. I think, <laughs> I think everybody we would agree. Don't. We do not need more heaviness in our world. So I just, I, I wanted to say that because, you know, you were talking about this manic energy, breaking down walls and you had mentioned um, all that. And so it just kind of it reminded me of that. So I wanted to yeah. get that out there. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Where can people, if you want to share a couple of the handles, I think, are all the handles the same? Like what's yeah. the best way for people to sort of find you, dig into you, be brought into this <laughs> this dopamine world of nostalgia? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly, again, manic about it. So I'm fairly active on all of them, but it is all the same. So it's, I mean, there are very few people that have the tag Gentilac. So it's J-E-N-T-I-L-A-K um, and gaming. So if you just mm-hmm. type in Gentilac, normally, I mean, any social media platform, there's a YouTube, there's an Instagram, there's a TikTok, there's a Twitch. Um, but I think that would be where you can find me. I try to respond to everything that I have. Um, or, you know, if you're reaching out from a business perspective, my name is Landon Kissinger and I'm yeah. on LinkedIn and I try to respond there as well. I don't really differentiate the two. So however you want to reach out to me, uh, you're going to get the same guy. <laughs> so uh, regardless of um, your motive, uh I I would happily engage. Thank you. Landon, Mm -hmm. thanks so much for your time and sharing your story. And I have no doubt there's going to be a lot of people that get a lot of inspiration and motivation from this. So what a gift. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.